When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 710 ESPN. This is Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. And we're getting you set tonight with all the wagering and fantasy information you need for the NBA, MLB, golf, and yes, March Madness. Bet LA with Anita Marks on 710 ESPN. Bet LA with Anita Marks right now. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA, hour two, and one of the best in the business. Very dear friend of mine, Cynthia Greenland. She crushes it each and every day on the NFL Network. Joining us, Cynthia, good evening. Good evening. How are you, my friend? Hello, I'm great. It's great to hear from you. I know, I know. It's been a minute. It's like during football season, I have you on every week, and then um, and then it's kind of like on occasion. But it's always great uh, when we hear your voice. We just heard from Rob Domofsky as well as Rich Samini in regard to the situation with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. You know, and and you know, it's a debate out there. Who has the leverage? Do the Green Bay Packers have the leverage because they've got two quarterbacks? Or actually, you know, because Aaron has said that if it's not the Jets, he's going to retire. Okay. Uh, but, you know, they have the quarterback in love who they're already committed to to be their starter this season. Meanwhile, the Jets, uh, who's what's what's option two? Are they going to trade for, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill? Are they going to try to go after Carson Wentz? I mean, option two does not look good for them. I personally think that the Green Bay Packers have the leverage. What say you? You know, I actually think that at this point, there's very little leverage left, meaning, you know, Aaron told, made his wishes known and Aaron has a lot of the way the contract works on the standpoint of if he retires for the Packers, the Packers just get smacked in terms of the amount of money that gets eaten. So when I'm looking at this and I'm just saying, okay, you know, the draft that so we have an end date, right? The 27th of April, that's the last day. I think we'll see something move here in the next week or so. I don't think it's going to be, I, I think the Packers are just being a little dramatic at this point, but I don't think that anyone in terms of leverage, I don't think that anything is different than when it was first revealed. So you still see the Jets getting Aaron Rodgers at the end of the day? I do. Okay, uh, the Jets fourteen to one. This is a gambling show, so of course I'm I'm throwing odds out here, yeah. um, futures odds. Fourteen to one to win the Super Bowl, uh, nine to one to win the AFC East. Plus, uh, I'm sorry to represent the AFC conference. Uh, plus two forty to win the AFC East. Over under nine and a half wins. Yes to make the playoffs is minus one thirty five. Uh, Robert Sala, coach of the year, twelve to one knowing or feeling confident, right, that the Jets are going to get Aaron Rodgers, any of those futures bets tickle your fancy? I think the playoffs is a good one. I mean, it's obviously the most, um, you know, the problem with the AFC East in general is that all the teams are pretty good, right? Like the Bills are still the Bills, and the Dolphins got great as well. Like did did some great moves this offseason as well. So 
I mean, at the end of the day, I it's weird to be like, well, the Patriots are the, the least likely to make the playoffs, but I think that division is, is pretty stacked, and the AFC in general is tough, but so that's why, to me, you know, you have all of the greatest quarterbacks in that division for the most part, and, you know, I, I, anything further than playoffs feels a little lofty. I hear you. For the Green Bay Packers, 5-1 uh, to one. Uh, for them to win their uh, their division, their over under win total is seven and a half. For them to make it to the playoffs is actually plus money at plus one eighty. How much confidence do you have in uh, in Love as the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers? And how do you think they'll compete in that division that your Lions potentially could win? I mean, I just want my Lions to win a playoff game in my lifetime. That would be great. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's be honest. Okay, so. The way that I feel about this is I think the Packers are more than just a Jordan Love away from being great. They weren't great last year, and they had Aaron Rodgers, the back-to-back MVP, and they haven't addressed their main problem, which to me is their defense. Sure, they figured out a new defensive coordinator, but you have to use the pieces in the right spot, and and, and I just don't, I don't see that team being strong enough to overcome – I don't know, like the Vikings are better. The Lions are better. Heck, even the Bears could be better. So I, I think that I just I think this is going to be a rebuilding moment for the Packers. Uh, let's turn our attention to the Baltimore Ravens and what's going on with Lamar Jackson. You know, he's requested a trade. He wants out of Baltimore for, you know, a, a number of reasons. You know, one of the biggest is that he wants to get paid similar to how the Cleveland Browns are playing, paying Deshaun Watson. I don't know one team in the NFL that would be willing to do that. Who knows? Maybe the Colts. Your thoughts on how that scenario is going to play out, Cynthia? I think if there, if there was a team that was really, really keen to do it, they would have already done it. But because it feels like you talk about leverage, you think Lamar Jackson's position makes him very, like, it's not really like a, like a leverage thing. All he has is his talent, meaning, you know, he already, he has tweeted out the number that he didn't want or that he allegedly didn't take. He has said he wanted a trade. He has, you know, he's done all of these things to basically say, okay, like you're going to have to force me to play under this franchise tag again, if you're going to, if you're going to have me play for you, but I don't want to be here. You know, thanks for everything. Bye. Okay. Well, that is a steep price. And, you know, remember, we had Kirk Cousins get a, a, guaranteed, a fully guaranteed deal not that many years ago. And then we went back to these non-fully guaranteed deals. Like, it did not have the magnitude of anything that happened with the Browns or Deshaun Watson. But at the end of the day, like, it is, it is still rare to have fully guaranteed contracts, period, full stop. And without a lot of suitors in the marketplace and without a lot of leverage, then it's even harder to get that. Because teams will never want to do that in general if they don't have to. You have to have lots of suitors and lots of different people that would force the hand of someone to have to give that kind of deal. It will be interesting to see how it all plays out. Cynthia Freeland joining us here on Bet LA. And a big reason I, I booked her for the show uh, is to talk about the draft. We're just a few weeks away and she already has one of her mock drafts out on NFL.com. Uh, so let's start first and foremost. All the talk obviously is going to be about the quarterbacks. You've got CJ Stroud going number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. By the way, you can wager that that's going to happen at minus 285. What does that mean? You're laying $285 down to win $100. Why do you have Stroud going to the Carolina Panthers, Cynthia? Well, apparently the, 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 the people who are making odds agree with me strongly. Um, <laughs> but, 
Look, when I watch Stroud's film and when I do all the different metrics in terms of like doing it, using analytics, advanced numbers to kind of project his, his future as a, as a pro, he's a really great pocket passer. He's a really great, like he has basically the highest floor. Let's just put it that way. Like he's the most certain in terms of like how his upside, his upside doesn't have to be the highest, but his is minimizing the, the chance for disaster is the most his, you know, the way that they played at Ohio state, what he was asked to do, his resume all has a lot of stuff that Frank Reich would really be able to use well. So to me, when you, when you match those things together and mesh those things together, especially in the NFC South, which is basically the opposite of the AFC East in terms of like, I don't, I don't know who wants to win that division. Right. So all the quarterbacks have been turned over in that one. And it just seems like, okay, I guess we'll see what happens here. So to me, that makes CJ Stroud the, the the best pick because it's the fit and the opportunity. I hear you. Uh, You've got Bryce Young going number two overall to the Houston Texans. Uh, Will Anderson, who I think is the best player in this draft, going number three overall to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Anthony Richardson going four to the Colts. Uh, And then also uh, quarterback-wise, you've got Will Levis going number eight to the Atlanta Falcons. Now, just... Just, I just want to throw this out here. If you think Bryce Young will go number one overall, it's plus 190. If you think Will Levis will go number one overall, it's 50 to one. Um, a lot of people obviously fell in love with Anthony Richardson uh, in, in regard to uh, his pro day. Uh, if you think he's going to go number one overall, that's 11 to one. I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot pole. That's just my two cents. Uh, with that being said, the over under in regard to quarterbacks going in the first round is uh, is is three and a half. So if you're saying under three and a half, it's plus two seventy five. So uh, do you, do you you're confident that four quarterbacks will go in the first round, right? Yeah, and I think we could even see a fifth sneak back up in there. Remember, there's a bunch of teams who have two picks in this first round, and a team could trade up to get that quarterback on a more favorable rookie contract. Remember, you want to have your quarterbacks in the first round, especially because you get that extra year of their rookie contract Mm -hmm. if they're a first-round pick. Right. Um, So there's that. Also, you know, I I mentioned Will Anderson. I I think he's the best player in this draft. You have him going number three overall to Arizona. Um, under three and a half, which would mean that he would go to Arizona. You can get it plus 275. How confident are you that he's going to go number three overall? You know, the funny part there is that that to me is the spot where if a team really fell in love with the quarterback and it wasn't named C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, that would be the trade target. If I were the Cardinals, I would be telling everyone I wanted to take a quarterback, even if it's not true, just so they could get that leverage so people would come up and trade with them. Because it seems like the Colts are in a position to take a, a quarterback as well. So if you that, I don't feel super confident in that only for the fact of you could have a trade there because of people needing quarterbacks. Again, Cynthia Freeland joining us here on Bet LA, breaking down the NFL draft because these futures, uh, they change a lot in the course of day to day and week to week. And so much you can wager on here. So uh, that's your quarterback speak. In regards to the offensive line speak, uh, who's your first offensive lineman you see coming off the board and where? Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. I think it mm. would be. 
to me, he's the highest ceiling and the highest floor of any of the, you know, the the top guys. Look, there could be some offensive tackles that are, you know, in a right scheme could last for a lot of years. But this guy feels like he has the best sort of the the best stuff, the best lateral, the best run blocking, the best pass blocking situation. Some people project him as a guard. I still think he's a tackle. He played left tackle at Northwestern. He's a he's a really good chess piece for any O line needy team. Uh, a lot of uh, the odds makers believe that uh, Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State is going to go number one overall. He is favored at minus one twenty. So if you believe how Cynthia believes. Uh, and uh, then you can go two to one. So there's some solid, there's some solid odds there. In regard to the cornerback position, who's the first corner you have coming off the board, Cynthia? Oof. Um, well, to me, the Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois is the best one. I mean, he just had that like extra pro day. He looked solid, very, very good at the pro day. We didn't see him work out as much in the off season from an injury and. I'm looking at him and I'm looking at his size. He's got the like the tools that all of these guys really like, right? These guys being like these football guys. He's tall enough. He's fast enough. He's seen a lot of different experiences and played a lot of different, like, you know, he's played in man end zone. We have a little bit more of a, re- a full, complete resume on him compared to some of the other guys. But I think Devin Witherspoon, and he could be a lion for sure. He could easily be a lion if they decided to go with, at the corner position, Aaron Glenn, you know, defensive back, take another defensive back. That, to me, could be where he goes. Odds makers believe with Cynthia and uh, you could wager that he'll be the first corner taken off the board at minus 115. Before we let you go, let's talk about the wide receiver position. A lot of really good wide receiver talent in this draft. What's your number one wide receiver off the board and where does he go? Jackson Smith and Jigba. And I think he goes, whew. So it's it's interesting because I'm not allowed to make any trades in my mock draft. So my mock draft, he goes a little bit late. But I do think he ends up someplace like a Baltimore or perhaps even – because this guy's a really smooth route runner. You know, Ohio State route runners are really – I mean, like you, you saw them the last couple of seasons. I mean, you were a Jets fan. You absolutely – saw that last year but also with Chris Olave in addition to Garrett Wilson these guys are they, they're they're being taught really really well and Jackson Smith and Jigba he actually played with those two guys and in many ways stood out in terms of his stats so stood out ahead of the guys who have been crushing it in the league already so for me he's the number one guy and again there's a number of places that I could see but I would imagine a team like like Baltimore needs to figure out what's going on with their quarterback position of course but that would be a nice fit for him. There's a, there's actually, a, like, you name it, like the Texans would be a nice fit for him. The, there's a lot of places. Anyone who needs, who needs a really solid wideout one, they could, they could use the services. Tennessee. And if you believe, I, I hear you, and the oddsmakers, again, really, uh, <laughs> really agree with you because he's minus 225 as the first okay. wide receiver taken I know, minus 225 as the first receiver taken on the board. Uh, if you think, uh, you know, Addison will go first, it's 10 to 1. Uh, Johnson from TCU, 7 to 1. Zay Flowers, 4 to 1. Uh, but uh, the odds makers do side uh, with Cynthia Freeland. Cynthia, you rock as always. We so appreciate your time and your NFL insight, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And how much fun would it be to see uh, JSN there in that Brian Dable offense? I'm just saying, you know, just saying. It would be a, it would be a ton of fun. Uh, we go from the NFL to basketball. Tim McMahon will join me. What's up with the Mavs? 
Uh, also, Andre Snellings joins me as well this hour to talk about the NBA, take a look around as we are getting closer to the postseason, some future bets out there as well. Let's talk some NBA when we get back. You're listening to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Again, like I said earlier, uh, blessed to uh, host a digital bet show for ESPN on ESPN Plus Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, Tim McMahon, who covers the Dallas Mavericks, was uh, kind enough to join me on the program earlier this week uh, just to kind of explain the dumpster fire, right? And can you use a better analogy, Tyler? I, I don't know. I can't. I think that in regard it. to what, right? What's going on with the da- <laughs> with the Dallas Mavericks um, with their trade with Kyrie? I just did not bode well. Anyway, uh, Tim McMahon joined me on the uh, the gambling show earlier this week uh, to talk about all that is going wrong with the Dallas Mavericks. Let's listen in. But let's let's move to the NBA. We've got Tim McMahon, who's joining us here. He does a phenomenal job covering the Dallas Mavericks uh, all season long. And so, Tim, my producer, Weimer, put together this statement. I'm going to read it to you, and then I want to hear your reaction. You ready? Let's do it. Here we go. All right. On February 10th, Kyrie had played two games with the Mavs, right? And they won them both. At that point in time, the Mavs had a 96 percent chance of making it into the postseason. As of this morning, they've got a 30% chance to make it into the play-in tournament and a 5.9% chance of making the actual postseason. What's your reaction to that statement? Well, that's not exactly what the plan was supposed to be. Look, this has been an epic disaster. Luca called it a very disappointing season. I'm going to go so far as to say the most disappointing team in the NBA this season. And I'd like to tell you, well, Kyrie's been hurt some, Luke's been hurt some. Uh, in the immortal words of Derek Coleman, whoop the damn do because they're 4-11 when they have both of those guys healthy, including this 1-4 road trip that they just completed where basically they put themselves in a position where they probably have to win out and still cross their fingers just to get the last spot in the West play-in picture. So there is a rumor going around that the Mavs were considering contemplating shutting down both Kyrie and Luka because they have so little chance of making it to the postseason. Uh, is, is there any truth to that? Well, the, the consideration was because not only are the postseason chance so, chances so slim, but they owe the New York Knicks a top 10 protected pick. Right now, they have the 10th best lottery odds. So you do the math. And this is, by the way, the last payment of the Chris Tapps Porzingis deal. So it was a scenario that they were at least thinking about, but the discussion did not get to Luka Doncic. And if it would have, he, he'd have said, hell no. As Luka said yesterday, as long as they have a chance, he's playing. He knows the chances are slim, but he's absolutely not going to consider shutting it down, even if the chance is a 1% type of situation. And as of now, it's better than that, just not a whole lot better. 
So we'll see again. Great game up against the Kings coming our way later on this evening. Now, so the Mavs, their easiest path to the postseason is obviously them winning their remaining three games and hoping that the Thunder lose out or finish one and one. So the Mavs have not won three straight now, Tim, since February 6th through, uh, through the 10th. So how confident are you in this group in that they can possibly win the next three? Listen, for the Mavericks to actually get in the playoffs, all they have to do is win five in a row. Again, they're 4-11 with Kyrie and Luka in the lineup together. How confident am I? Come on now. You can do that math. You don't need, you don't need me to punch that up in the calculator. Not real confident. I'll put it to you like that. Tim, thank you so much for joining us. Really do appreciate it. It'll be interesting to see what happens the next few games and uh, and if they do get into the postseason. Enjoy your night. Thank you. All right. Again, I want to thank uh, Tim McMahon joining us on Bet and, and, and of course, having an opportunity to, to play that for you. So uh, Dallas is sitting here at 38 and 42. They are coming off a win against the Sacramento Kings, 123 to 119. But prior to that, they had lost three straight at the 76ers, at the Heat, at Atlanta. Uh, their next game, by the way, is uh, is uh, against the Bulls. Um, and, uh, and then their last game is against San Antonio. So uh, at the end of the day, they are sitting at 11 and they're looking in uh, and trying to get into that play-in scenario. So there's that. I, 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 at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they don't get in. And no one, in my opinion, no one is more to blame than the front office. Why do I say that? Okay, great. They were aggressive. They went after Kyrie Irving. They brought him in, aligned him with Luka. Fantastic. But they stopped right there. And I think that's really where they went wrong. Uh, I think, you know, they still had some draft capital that they could have invested and gone after some some defensive talent to bring in and round out that roster. And they did not. They did not want to go all in. And I, I just I'm someone personally I, like, when I do things in life, I don't do things half ass. I, I just don't. And I feel like that's really where the Mavs went wrong. And so now they're, again, on the outside looking in, that they're the 11th seed, and where it looks right now, where it stands right now, uh, you know, this is just a, a team that I think, unfortunately, is going to miss the playoffs. I really do. Uh, when we come back, Andre Snellings, uh, partner in crime with me at ESPN, covers all things NBA, will join us. Uh, we're going to look ahead to what's coming up for the Lakers. As I know, unfortunately, they come off of a loss to the Clippers. We'll look ahead for the Lakers, the Clippers. Big picture, what is the playoff scenario look for both those franchises? And uh, and I'll get his thoughts in regard to what's going on with the Mavs as well. So uh, hang tight. Talk some more about the NBA when we get back here on Bet LA 710 ESPN LA. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Andre Snellings joins us now to talk some NBA and uh, a very interesting game that took place last night. The Lakers and the Clippers going at it. The Clippers walk away with the win, 125 to 118. Uh, the Lakers and LeBron addressed this, Dre, after the game. Just, uh, you know, just a, a sad 
situation that they ran into considering they went into overtime against the jazz him and ad played so many minutes i think that they were just spent they had no more gas in the tank unfortunately and uh, and and just could not truly compete and contend with the clippers uh, in last night's game let's start with the lakers going up against the suns the suns obviously having kd back um you know your, your thoughts on how you think that that game's going to play out so I'm, I'm curious to see what the line is, and I'm also curious to see who plays for the Suns. I think the Lakers have a lot more motivation, and at this stage of the year, that should be enough for them to get the win. Um, because, you know, as we pointed out, essentially the Lakers still, with two what, three days left in the season, they can finish anywhere from the fifth seed to the ninth seed. So they need this win. Suns are pretty much locked in. I mean, I think – they're there of the four seed. It's mathematically possible that the Clippers or Warriors could match them record-wise. I'm not sure what the tiebreaker situation is, but for the most part, the Suns should be good. And I know they want to go into the playoffs healthy after all the injuries this regular season. So just looking at the motivations, I would expect that the Lakers should be able to win that game. Yeah, you know, I find it interesting. You know, obviously the Phoenix Suns have to feel really good about their spot there at four. Obviously they're not catching the Kings. They're not pressed that the Clippers or the Golden State Warriors are going to catch them because uh, they do have a two and a half game lead with only two games remaining. So, you know, so not sure if, if, if the Suns are going, you know, they're going to lo- use that game as, as a load management game. We'll see. And, and then, of course, you know, Utah really not playing for much. So the Lakers very well could win their next two games. They're one game back to the Golden State Warriors, as well as the Clippers. Uh, The Clippers, again, their Saturday game is against Portland. Their Sunday game is against Phoenix in Phoenix. Same situation for them as well. Here's my question to you, Dre. If you're the Clippers, if you're the Warriors, if you're the Lakers, if you're the Pelicans, do you really want to face the Phoenix Suns in the first round of the playoffs? Because I don't. Yeah, no, that, that's an excellent point. And that's where the five seed is is, is looking to be the team that, that matches up with the Suns. Um, yeah, the, the West is such a mixed bag. We'll talk a, a bit about it later. I don't really see any team that, if I were a playoff team in the West, would really scare me. I mean, the Suns, yeah, you don't want to play them uh, uh, because, you know, with Durant there, they have a, a lot higher ceiling than they used to have. But they've only had Durant for like five games. So it's not like they've established themselves as this juggernaut. Um, So I don't know that that'll really play so much into it because it's so close, right? The the, the five and six and seven seeds are within an eighth seed. They're all within a game of each other. So you don't want to be a team that tries to avoid the Suns at the four or five slot end up in the eighth slot and end up having to, to, to play in the play-in as opposed to making the playoffs outright. So, I mean, maybe nobody wants to see the Suns right off, but all of these teams think that they're championship contenders, and to get there, you're probably going to have to go through Phoenix at some point anyway. Um, it's, it's really interesting to see how this is all going to play out. Before we start looking big picture, as you said, we're going to break down the East and the West. Let's take a look at what's going on with the Mavs. Um, they lost to the Kings last night 123 to 119 so now this is a Mavs team they're 30 and 42 but they're 11th so they're outside looking in in regard to the play-in the remaining two games are against Chicago and San Antonio 
Um, and and they're looking in in regard to OKC, who's going up against Utah and Memphis, who Memphis, I think, has uh, totally accepted the fact that they are solidified as that two seed. So they might use that game as load management. So with that being said, what are your thoughts in regard to this Dallas Mavericks team? Yeah, so the Mavs, they, they have, I don't know how to put it. It's like they, they have clearly disappointed since they traded for Kyrie Irving. And I'm not one that puts it all on Kyrie, you know, um, but for whatever reason, and I'm not one that puts it all on Luka, but for whatever reason, they have not won at a clip that they needed to win at to secure a playoff spot. Their last two games are against teams that they should beat easily um, because neither team really has a lot to play for at this point. Their problem is that the Thunder, who they're tied with in the record, but, but the Thunder had the tie break, the Thunder are in the same situation. They should win both of their last two games. And if the Thunder win those two games, then the Mavs are out. So um, that, that makes it hard to, to, you know, expect that they'll be there. And even, honestly, if they get into the play-in, right now all of the teams in the play-in are playing better than the Mavs have been. So I would, I would say things don't look great in Dallas. But on the flip side, they were just in the conference finals around Luka last year. And they've got this awkward playing style um, that, that they're so heliocentric around Luka. They slow the game down half court. That's the way that the teams, you know, that have success in the playoffs tend to play. So if, you know, if, if, if I had a dollar and I was like, you know what, uh, I don't have any use for this dollar, um, I might put it on the Mavs. I think they're 81 to 80 something to one plus, you know, to, to win the Western Conference. I might would, would, would take a lottery ticket on them because they do have that puncher's chance, but they're a definite long shot right now. Yeah, I, I think what happened here, Dre, was that I just don't think that the front office went all in, right? Like, they traded for Dre. and it, I, I mean, they, they, they traded for, for Kyrie Irving. And in order to get him, they gave away so many defensive parts but they didn't replenish and, and they've got, they have draft capital where they could have done that and they didn't. And, and, and I think that's where the Mavs failed was that they gave up so much on defense and they didn't replenish. And so I think they just, they tapped their toe. They didn't just jump full in to that, that swimming pool. Uh, that, again, this is just my two cents, right? Yeah, no, I, I feel you. And I, I think that part of the issue is I don't know that they know exactly how to build around Luca. Like the Mavs have been an organization since Cuban's been there. They'll spend money. You know, they have a strong analytics program. And so typically they'll find a way to build around, you know, the transcendent star. When Nowitzki was there, he was also a unique talent. And it took him some time and it took him some iterations but eventually they came up with a, a team that, that meshed with him perfectly and they were able to win the championship. I think they're still trying to figure it out with Luka. They, they, they know that he's so, so, you know, everything goes through him on offense, but they still want to have some supporting offensive pieces. And so, you know, they went from Jalen Brunson to now, they would, you know, through iterations, they've come up with Kyrie Irving as maybe a second option as a scorer. They've got Wood. They thought he would be a, a scorer as a big man that could work with them. But at the same token, as you pointed out, they need the defensive pieces as well. And so they, they haven't figured out how to put it all together yet. And time is ticking. So, you know, in, in today's NBA, it's hard. If you don't build after a certain amount of time, you eventually lose your star. 
Andre Snelling joining us here on Bet LA 710 ESPN LA, taking a broader view of what's to come in regard to the NBA playoffs. So before we let you go, let's take a look at the East. Um, as we pointed out, right, the Bucks with the numbers one seed, Celtics two, 76ers three, the Cavs and the Knicks at four and five, which I think very well could be one of the best series in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, and the Nets sitting there at six looks like they will lock in the six as the Miami Heat are one and a half games back. And then, of course, the Hawks, the Raptors and the Bulls competing in that play in. So with that being said, how do you think the East pans out? Yeah, I mean, the, the East to me is, is so top heavy. I think that now this is all assuming health. If all teams stay relatively healthy, I think the Bucks, Celtics and 76ers are a, a full step ahead of everyone else. I think the Cavs and the Knicks are, you know, like just on the outside looking in. I think you're right that that should be a great series in itself. It's, it's, it's kind of the uh, Donovan Mitchell ball, right? The team that he chose over the team that everybody thought he was going to choose. And so I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup. But I don't think either of those teams could really beat the Bucks in a seven-game series. And so if healthy, I'm expecting the Bucks to be in the conference finals and to, to be facing – whoever makes it through the slugfest of the Celtics and the 76ers in the second round. Um, we just saw these teams play again. Every time they play, it goes down, you know, to the wire. The 76ers uh, have, have Joel Embiid as like the centerpiece and, and they build around him, whereas the Celtics are, are much more perimeter-based, Tatum and Brown on the wings and, and three shooters galore. So that series, I think, is, is almost a toss-up. And because it's so competitive – I feel like the Bucks have an advantage as, as the most likely team to come out of the East because they only have to face one of those two teams, whereas the, whoever wins between the Celtics and 76ers will have to go through the Bucks as well if they want to make it to the finals. I hear you, the Bucks to represent the East, plus 130 right now. That's what I would jump on. In regard to the West, the Suns favored to represent the West at plus 210, the Denver Nuggets at plus 330. Bucks favored to win the championship at plus 290, Boston at plus 340, the Suns at 450, and the Nuggets at 8-1, to one, along with the 76ers at 9-1. to one. Uh, Dre, always great having you on. Thank you so much for your time, my friend. Thanks for having me. I uh, look forward to these playoffs. You got it. Uh, Andre Snellings, Anita Mark, stay tuned. Uh, Stormy Bonantani is going to be joining us next. It is week eight of the XFL. We were seven and one the last two weeks. We will continue to feed you winners right here on Bet LA 710 ESPN LA. Anita Marks. Right now, let's get back to Bet LA and back to Anita Marks. Welcome back to Bet LA here on 710 ESPN LA. Stormy Bonatani joins us now. She does each and every week feeding us winners. Stormy, we are 7-1 the last two weeks when it comes to XFL plays. So let's let's keep it let's keep it rolling, my friend. Yeah, it's been a fun run for whatever reason, even though our attention like the last couple weeks has been divided with the NCAA tournament this week, the Masters, the XFL, so the, all the tickets cash the same, Anita, and they've been coming through here. Isn't that the, I, I need to get a, a shirt printed out. All the tickets cash the same, my friend. All right, uh, yep. let's dive into it. It is week eight of the XFL season. Let's kick it off Saturday. Uh, we've got the Vegas Vipers going up against the St. Louis Battlehawks. The Battlehawks are favored by seven. The over-under is at 46. 
Uh, this is a Vegas team coming off of a win. They're two and five. Uh, St. Louis is five and two. They beat everybody except DC. I've been saying it. I think they've got the best quarterback in the league in AJ McCarron, a solid defense. Uh, what side are you on here? Any any plays in this matchup? Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do with this game. Obviously, we saw Vegas just get crushed at Cashman Field two weeks ago from St. Louis. A.J. McCarron was incredible. He had that stretch of, I want what was it, 19 straight completions. At the end of the day, 23 of 29 for 236 yards and three touchdowns. But now they're facing a Vipers offense that's got a, a new look on the other side with Jalen McClendon at quarterback. And I was on their sideline last week in Vegas. And for a guy who, Anita, had just one college start, he was a career backup at NC State and Baylor, he delivered uh, 264 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers in the game against San Antonio last week, which is huge. And he does add a little bit of a running element. So I'm a little bit, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more unsure of how this game is going to go. I do lean Seattle, um, excuse me, the Battlehawks laying the points. I like the over, I think, as well, because Vegas's offense is, I think, able to click. And even though they don't necessarily have a lot to play for when it comes to the postseason, Rod Woodson is really stressed a lot with that team. They're playing for jobs. I think they kind of embrace the role of spoiler a little bit. Um, and defensively, I know that they uh, have not been great. They held San Antonio to 12 points last week, but that's not saying much considering how bad the Brahmas have been. Um, but Vegas, before that game, has been allowing between 29 and 32 points the four games prior. So I think the over 46 is in play if both of these offenses are clicking. Um, one concern on Vegas' offense is going to be wide receiver Jeff Bidette, who's been their star. He got injured last week and hasn't practiced this week. So um, I think that could be significant. We'll see if McClendon can find, you know, another guy to be his go-to player. But I think, ugh, like I lean minus seven with, with uh, St. Louis here and over, I think might be where I end up putting my money though. I am with you on St. Louis. I will lay the points with St. Louis again. I'm just a really big believer in quarterback yeah. play in this league. And I think A.J. McCarron uh, is the best quarterback in this league. A little bit later on Saturday afternoon, you have Arlington, uh, the, the Renegades, going up against the Orlando Guardians. Brace yourself, folks. The Guardians are favored here by one and a half. The over-under is 42 and a half. I know this is the game that you're going to be at. But, you know, let's talk about this this Orlando team. They're one in six. They have been at the bottom of my power rankings for the, for the majority of the season, but they go out last week and they beat the best team, in my opinion, in this league, and that's the D.C. Defenders. Uh, before we start talking about this matchup, on a scale of one to ten, being, you know, like in regard to like one of the biggest upsets uh, in sport, uh, where would you rank Orlando beating D.C.? That I mean, as far as the XFL goes, that's the 10, right? Because it's, it was 0-6 versus 6-0 and last week. On April Fool's Day, no less, which I think is just hysterical that it happened on April 1st that they win that game. But it was a shock. And maybe... Maybe it shouldn't have been as big of a shock, especially that they covered the number, considering... I feel like Orlando has kind of been like, 
hiding in plain sight, maybe is a good way to put it, for a few weeks now. Because, you know, I've been backing them plus the points pretty regularly. But D.C. has just been the best team in the league far and away. So the fact that they actually got a straight-up outright upset was shocking to me. That they covered the number, not as shocking. Because of what they've been able to do offensively with Quentin Dormady. Like, since he entered the fold and took over, that offense has clicked at a different level. Um, And in that win... Six total touchdowns, three passing. He had three QB sneaks. As a team, they cut down the penalties in a massive way, which I think was huge for them. They were, uh, they had six penalties for 35 yards, Anita, compared to the five games prior where they were averaging 11 and a half penalties for just shy of 90 yards per game. So I think little tweaks that they have made have been significant for them. And that was the first game that DC like made mistakes and they weren't able to capitalize defensively the way that we've seen them do. So really, really impressive. Huge win for the Guardians, but now they're in a different role. Like you said, they're favored, and could this be a letdown? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, a new quarterback, obviously. Uh, meanwhile, Arlington is, is you know, now has Luis Perez. It will be interesting to see how this plays out. I, I know because you are going to be on the sideline, you can't give us a pick. But, you know, game script-wise, how do you see this game playing out? Well, I know I just said, could this be a letdown? I don't know. I, I don't think that it will be because Orlando has been playing as efficiently offensively as they have lately. So take this for what you will. And mind you, I'm not having my meetings with Orlando and with Arlington until later on today after I get off with you um, and tomorrow. But I was very confused when I saw this spread simply because of how good the Guardians have been and how rough it's been to watch Arlington recently, and they do have a new quarterback coming in. And I think Orlando's a completely different team compared to when they lost to the Renegades nine a month ago. And even in that game, they lost. Orlando outgained the Renegades, who are held under 200 yards by Orlando's defense, who we know is not good. So that's saying something to me. Um, so oddsmakers are either thinking it's a letdown spot um, or that Luis Perez is really going to solve all of Arlington's offensive woes. This is an offense that hasn't scored more than 15 points since the opener. Um, Arlington, I believe they had two defensive scores that first game against Vegas. So how much can you even take that into account? Um, and so, yeah, as crazy as this may seem, Orlando is just playing really well right now. And they're not mathematically eliminated yet. How, how insane is that? At one and six, um, they have Arlington <laughs> and San Antonio next. If they win those games and are three and six, and San Antonio and Arlington both lose their games to D.C. and Houston, this is a world where Orlando could face St. Louis the final week of the season, win be four and six and in the playoffs. That's just, it's, it's bonkers. It is bonkers. Uh, Stormy Bonatani joining us here on Bet LA. Uh, Sunday, we've got two more games coming your way. Uh, the Houston Roughnecks going up against the San Antonio Brahmas. Um, Houston, road favorite, favored by five. The over-under is 40 here. And, um, you know, interesting news this week that the uh, Brahmas acquired Paxton Lynch from Orlando. So uh, what's your play in this Sunday matchup? Yeah, that's never a good sign for a team if they have to sign Paxton Lynch as, as much as I like I don't want to be mean to the guy no offense you know but um he is the one player that has been found a way to be benched in all four um like different professional football leagues so there's something to that my favorite bet of the week Anita is Houston minus five 
Um, I know that after the hot start, they've dropped a few games now. Their points per game average has taken a significant hit. They don't, uh, and Brandon Silver's unable to start last week. It had to be Cole McDonald. All that said, I love them in this spot. Um, the Brahmas have struggled with quarterbacks um, in general. It looks like Jack Cohn should be able to go. Um, Kurt Benker broke three ribs last week against Vegas. Um, but, I mean, good luck, Jack Cohn. Good luck, Paxton Lynch or whoever's in there at quarterback because the offensive line for San Antonio has been so, so bad. Um, and that right tackle position specifically has struggled. They even had to start Juwan Pass a couple weeks ago when they did not expect to because Kurt Benkert was largely coming in off the street and they didn't have anybody. So I think the Roughnecks we've seen, they have taken advantage of lesser than teams, and this is a lesser than team. Since the Brahmas played the Guardians in week two, they have only one offensive touchdown in the second half of games. So I just feel like this is an opportunity. It's kind of like football 101 right now. It makes so much sense with Houston. I don't have a real good feel on the total. Um, but, I mean, they can clinch a spot in the South Division Championship with a win here or an Arlington loss. And so um, I think it's entirely possible they get both. But for me, Houston minus five is an easy bet. I'm with you. Lockstep, last but not least, uh, Sunday night, D.C. Defenders going against the Seattle Sea Dragons. Like I said, D.C. coming off a very, I'm sure, embarrassing loss to Orlando. Yeah. Uh, do they get back into the win column? Um, they're actually getting points on the road. So Seattle is favored at home, minus two. The over-under is 46 and a half. What's your play here? This is another spread that I looked at and was like, no way you're – this is the spread. Um, and I, I understand why to an extent Seattle has been super hot lately that week one game against DC. They are probably feeling they should have won that game, but a Danucci fumble, which I mean, tell me how many times you heard that at this point, this season that Danucci had a turnover. And, um, but I, I like the defenders here. Plus the points. I think, like I said earlier, D.C. for the first time in a long time made a number of mistakes that I feel they're going to be extremely motivated to clean up here. Ta'amu has been a better passer as the season's gone on. They have wide receivers emerging. I love what Lucky Jackson has been able to do. And they far and away have the best run game in the XFL. And Seattle's defense struggles a lot against the run. Um, I, I know that Seattle's offense has been just so effective through the air, but I feel like a good run game in this league specifically we've seen has beat out good passing games. And if Greg Williams is able to get his defense in check after seeing the performance they had against Orlando, the defenders win. Um, And so I like getting the points in a game. I think they can win. Uh, great stuff as always, Stormy. You rock. We so appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully, we can go four and zero this week, and then what would that leave us? Twelve and one, right? Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Nice Sorry, run. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven and one. Sorry, I-, I didn't go to an Ivy League school, so um, there's that. Stay school uh, for me. Stay school for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Stormy, thank you. Have fun this week. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Anita. Have a great day. You got it. You got it. So Stormy joining us here on uh, on Bet LA, uh, getting you ready for XFL Week Eight. 
I want to thank all our guests. We heard from uh, Andre Snellings as well, talking some NBA, Lakers, and Clippers, looking ahead to this weekend, as well as big picture in regard to some of the futures bets out there as we are just, uh, what, April 15th and 16th. That's when the NBA playoffs start. Tim McMahon talking about the Mavs, Cynthia Freeland talking some NFL, Rob Domofsky, Rich Samini as well, giving us an update in regard to what's going on with the Green Bay Packers and the Jets pertaining to Aaron Rodgers, Dylan Hernandez getting us ready for that Dodgers uh, Arizona Diamondback series over the weekend. You are locked and loaded. We have covered all the bases. No pun intended. I want to thank Tyler and Brian for producing the show. As always, you guys do a great job. Uh, just a reminder on the team with Anita Marks. That's me every Sunday morning from 7 to 8 a.m. Uh, we will get you ready for Masters Sunday. So make sure you tune in. I will talk to you then right here on 710 ESPN LA.